Driven by the passion to achieve peak performance, our next guest shares how he broke past the limitations of a then-growing health data industry to help make data more accessible and optimized for the masses by bringing it right to our fingertips and devices with personalized analytics and insights. Dave Korsunski, founder of Heads Up Health, joins us to discuss how his background in data analytics led to the creation of his company and its aim to aid everyone, from health enthusiasts to everyday Americans, on how to make better sense of our health by quantifying it in more intuitive and meaningful ways. Join us to hear from one of the industry's most passionate and dedicated entrepreneurs as we continue to work together to move the health of our nation forward. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dave, welcome to our podcast, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Well, Dave, given your passion and life's work to provide data-driven tools for personal health optimization so anyone can transform their health and crush it every single day, I am fired up for what I know is going to be a fantastic conversation. But before we dive into your story, journey, and mission with Heads Up Health, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passion to Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Dave, it's almost time for our community to learn how you are engineering an entirely new approach to personal health by integrating clinical, lifestyle, nutritional, and self-collected data with personalized analytics and insights but first, I'm going to randomly select an icebreaker question so we can get to know you. And we are talking favorite food. You know, hey, we talked about it earlier. You said it was tough. You had to ask mom. We had a lot to get of pressure. Some I know there's a, a lot, lot of pressure, pressure on here, that Mike. question, Dave. Favorite food. I know it's a tough one. Yeah, I stressed over this one all weekend. I knew this one was going to come up. You know, I'll be honest with you, Mike. Hopefully, the low-carb police are not listening to this episode. But uh, I need... All right, tell them to earmuff If you're, it, ear if you're a member of the low-carb keto police department, do not listen to this. I need to crush a <laughs> cheeseburger and fries every so often. It's just a good rib stick and cheeseburger and fry, and I'm good for weeks. But every so often, when I need to uh, really hit some comfort food, that's my go-to. Do you like barbecuing it yourself, or do you have to go out somewhere to get it? You know, there's something about certain ones at certain restaurants that just has that je ne sais quoi, Mike, that I cannot reproduce. And that's what I'm looking for. I hear it now. So we've had a few founders that start up, entrepreneur founders, they come in and they talk about, you know, fries as well. You'd be amazed at how many times we talk yeah. about French fries on this podcast. But what we do talk about are the finishing on the fries, you know, Parmesan, other types of accoutrements on the fries. I mean, yeah, a little poutine action. See? I'm from Canada. We do a little cheese and gravy up there with some poutine. You can get creative with it. I got my go-to spots. but Well, over here in Colorado, Dave, you know, we love our bison burgers as well. I mean, phenomenal, mm -hmm. phenomenal burger. So, hey, you know, I'm right there with you. Nothing wrong. We had the keto and the carb police. They're standing down for right yeah, now. Yeah, thank so you. 
Don't worry. I got your back. You're in trusted company. So I got you. I got you, Dave. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, thank you for sharing poutine. There we go. First time we've talked about poutine on the podcast. So there we go. Check that box, Mike. So thank you for checking that, Dave. Thank you for sharing your love of burgers (laughs) and fries on a health podcast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm going to tie the fries back to a data-driven health story as we go, because it just happened to me this weekend. So there is a purpose. Well, I'm looking forward to discussing your journey with Heads Up Health and seeing how you're going to tie it all back together. It all comes back to French fries. (laughs) Love it. And we're going to do all of that after we get back from thanking our Community Champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, Everyone at Catalyst works side-by-side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit catalysthealthtech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Dave Krasinski, founder of Heads Up Health. Dave, we're going to tie it back to French fries. We've already talked about it. We got it out of the way. We've invited the keto and carb police back to the table. They're here. They're plugged in ready to hear the story, ready to hear the journey. You guys have been at it now for a number of years, been getting after it. Great success happening over in the camp. But I want to also talk about how it all came together in the first place. We're going to discuss a little bit of the messy in the middle as well, right? No founder's journey is pretty the entire way there. You know it. I know it. Nothing wrong with that at all. That's how we create sustainable and successful businesses because there's quite the journey along the way that's usually not in a straight line. We'll also talk about what you're working on today. What are some of the successes happening in the marketplace, Dave? What are you guys seeing? Where are things heading as well? We're going to look at a future state. What should we be thinking about? Where do you see the industry taking everything? Where you guys are helping lead that charge? And of course, how we can be helping you guys out as well. But first, let's rewind the clock. How the heck did this all come together in the first place? When did you jump off that cliff? Sometimes people jump off that cliff with no parachute attached, as you know. We build it on the way down as founders. How did it come together in the first place, Dave? Well, let's see here. This was really before digital health was even a thing. I was living in the Bay Area and was really early looking at a lot of the sensors coming on the market. This was 2011, 2012, before any of this stuff was even on the radar screen or it was cool at all. And there was sensor technology coming onto the market that was starting to collect some really interesting biometrics off of a person's body. You know, this is all commonplace now. But back then, we were testing some of the first devices that could actually read brainwaves while you're sleeping and understand what stages of sleep you're getting into and ways to really start to quantify physical performance of the human body. And I was interested in kicking maximum ass and performance, my personal peak performance. And this data started becoming incredibly insightful for me. And it became my passion outside of work. I think that In any career endeavor, you need to have something outside of the workplace that really feeds your passion. And for me, it was understanding and really tweaking the knobs and dials of my own personal performance. 
as I got deeper into it, I realized that as good as these sensors were, there was really no way for the average person to really do anything meaningful with this information. You guys have probably talked about this on the show before, but the only people who were actually putting this technology to good use were the developers that could scrape their own data out of these devices and portals and write their own scripts and do their own analytics. It was just way outside the range of the average ordinary person who wants to feel, perform, look at their absolute peak. I just saw that there was nothing accessible in the technology space. And my background was data analytics. I worked in massive computer systems all day. My job was to go into these massive computer systems and figure out why it's running slow. And you're dealing with tens of billions of data points, computer systems all over the place. So I would have to go in to this data center, the size of a football field, basically, and start gathering performance statistics and figure out how to optimize computer systems. And I got really good at that. And I started to realize that that same type of methodology actually needs to be applied to the human body. And how can we start to apply that same type of analytical mindset? I could go into a Fortune 500 company, collect some data for seven days passively, and go back and show these people performance issues they didn't even know they had. And they're staring at these systems 24-7. So just with the right analytics, what I could do in a computer system, I wanted to be able to do that on the human body. And that's now starting to become increasingly realistic. It's not uncommon for a person with an Apple Watch and a continuous glucose monitor to have millions of data points just from those two devices. And so how can we start to put that to use? And that really became my life's passion and it completely consumed my entire being. And I stepped off the ledge with no parachute to use your parlance. And And we're going to go there and talk about the fall down while you're building that parachute on the way down back to earth, if you will, on a safe landing. But Dave, I'm curious, you talked, it was an interesting time, right? The, The 2010, 11, and 12, you're right. We're seeing a ton of wearable technology coming in the marketplace, but coach us up a little bit. Were people not thinking beyond that? Was it more of a novelty play at that time? Because you mentioned, right, you had all of these devices that were able to capture all of this data, but no one was then going that last mile, if you will, making sense of it, applying it correctly. It was at the time that there wasn't technology to do it. Was there technology? Was no one just connecting those dots? Were they forgetting about the last mile? Take us back to that era in that time and discuss why you thought, oh my gosh, there's a big, big opportunity here. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I'll boil it down to two limitations that I was seeing in the industry at large. First, the initial sensors were really only measuring cursory stats, you know, really, really lightweight, basic analysis of sleep and physical activity. And to your point, a lot of novelty at that point and not where they are today, which is doing passive data collection on blood sugar and heart rate variability and that type of thing. So that was the first problem. The other problem was kind of what I would call a last mile problem, Mike, which was, hey, I do all these healthy things, but did it actually have a meaningful outcome in my health? And in order to solve that problem, what I needed to do was I needed to look at certain lab test results that were indicating whether or not this was having the right impact on my physiology. I needed to see how my lifestyle was affecting my cholesterol numbers, my inflammation markers, my hemoglobin A1C numbers. And that is a massive technological and regulatory problem here in the United States because we have 30,000 or so different health systems and the data is fragmented completely. 
And there was no technology solution at that time. It was call your doctor, fill out a form, and they'll send you a stack of papers in the mail. That's where we were when I first started working on this problem. So I had a stack of papers this high from four doctors, and I was basically able to scan them in, and all of a sudden I had trend lines on all this data. And I'm not a medical person, and I had trend lines on this data going back 15 years. And I realized, wow, I now have 10 times better data on my health than any doctor than I could ever possibly imagine. And I'm not even a medical person. It was kind of terrifying, to be honest with you, that I could put something together that was 100 times better than what even a doctor could see back into my health history. And most of the issues we face in society don't show up overnight. You know, they show up over 10, 15 years. And when me, the medical layperson, put those trend lines together, I could see numbers that have been trending down for years that were completely missed because no one's able to actually look at the longitudinal data. And so a couple things happened that really turned the corner. It's very similar to what happened in consumer finance 15, 20 years ago when Mint.com came around and they could pull all your spending history from any bank and people just finally had incredibly powerful insights into their spending habits. And tracking your finances is really no different when you actually pay attention and see where things are going and actively manage it, you get better results. It's just some fundamental law of the universe. It's like when you're watching something, <laughs> the outcome changes. You know, there's experiments in particle physics around all that kind of stuff. But uh, anyhow, the High Tech Act came out at the federal level, which basically incentivized doctors to make all the records accessible online instead of those long cabinets full of paper records. Okay, so then as a byproduct of that, it meant all these portals had APIs. So that was the first time in history that this data started unlocking in this country. So now we're getting it out of paper records, going to portals, going to APIs. My brain is going, wow, I can start finally completing the whole feedback loop of lifestyle behavior, day-to-day -day choices, 365, to actual health medical outcomes. Once I realized we could solve that problem and we had all this contextualized data coming from the sensors, those two things needed to fall into place before we can really. And so with that, and so stage is set, Dave, thank you for kind of, you know, sh sharing some of the big things that happened too, right? Cause I'm a firm believer, whether you like it or not, a lot of the innovation that's going to happen in healthcare is also driven by regulatory or lack thereof at times as well. Right. And you kind of mentioned a high tech act came unlock the opportunity for some of the things that you were hacking together just on your own. And so the stage is set, you brought your passion, the things that you loved outside of your expertise of working in those big data centers, and you brought them together, which then, of course, launched and you founded Heads Up Health. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I love the elevator pitch. Give us that little quick two-minute elevator pitch. What is Heads Up Health? What are you guys are building? We'll talk about what you're achieving in the marketplace today, where things are heading, but I'd love to hear that elevator pitch. The simplest way I can break it down, Mike, is the ultimate dashboard for your health. And this dashboard is something that you can use individually. It's also a dashboard that you can share with any health provider anywhere in the world. Whether you're working on a stress issue and you want to work with an integrative doctor or you're working on a serious medical condition, everyone has access at your discretion to your dashboard. So all it's doing is putting all the metrics that matter most to your performance, your longevity, your survival on one screen so that you have everything in one place and you can essentially manage your health in a way that is far more personalized to your own body. 
And how's the reception been from the provider community? Do they enjoy getting this? Do they enjoy having their patients show up saying, hey, doc, I have this now. I have this dashboard. I have all this data. What has the reception been like by the, from the provider community, Dave? I think it depends on the type of provider. And you have to look at how those providers run their business. And there are providers in the uh, integrative space that are very accustomed to looking at longitudinal lifestyle data because they're taking a lifestyle systems-based approach to reverse engineering your problem. And then you have other providers who, by the nature of their business, are just, they're more transactional. They're seeing a certain number of patients per day, and the volume's got to be kept up, and targets have to be met. They don't have the time, nor do they have the financial incentive, necessarily, to sit down and really diagnose lifestyle problems. This could be an emotional disorder causing an eating problem, causing a blood sugar disorder. So they're not necessarily going to go back to that trauma and work with you on that necessarily. It depends on the type of provider, but it kind of leads me into big regulatory change number two, which is post-COVID. And that's the regulatory change towards remote patient monitoring. And obviously during the pandemic, you don't want people coming into the doctor's office, even if they could, but they need to be at home measuring arguably life-threatening vital signs, body temperature, you know, fever is the first symptom that someone's dealing with an illness. So remote patient monitoring got accelerated 20 years because just send a person the thermometer and the pulse oximeter and tell them to measure at home. We don't want you coming in. And then the doctor on the other end can decide. So what happened now is the insurance industry has kind of really jumped on board with remote patient monitoring and the reimbursements now are comparable to in-office. So that is big regulatory change number two. So I think what we're seeing now is providers that were not incentivized to look at this data before are now seeing that there are significant financial incentives to practice this way now. And that's the wave we're riding post-pandemic. And let's stay there. I think that's important, Dave. You hit on something because you mentioned it, right? I mean, there's so much that has accelerated because of the pandemic, a lot from my perspective, very good, good accelerations. How has it been received by the patient and the consumer themselves, Dave, right? Do they feel comfortable at home, you know, doing these exercises to monitor X, Y, or Z? Let's just face it, humans are adverse to change, right? Maybe a lot of people are used to going in and getting those checkups and being monitored at Dr. Dave's clinic, but now we're being asked to do it at home. And of course, we're forced to do it within COVID, but do you see it being able to sustain it? Do you see a sustainability aspect because of what COVID brought? Are we going to be able to continue to do that? Because you know, as all as I do, monitoring at home, empowering the patients to do it for themselves and by themselves is also a cheaper way to deliver care as well, right? But do you see that being able to sustain over the long term or what COVID, that force factor that COVID brought to bear in regards to monitoring and, and those types of dashboards for the patient? Yeah, what I'm seeing, Mike, is that there's just more gas on the fire here, honestly. I think patients in general love it. Who wants to go sit in the waiting room and read the magazines while you're waiting to be called with a bunch of other people hacking up along? Everyone's comfortable on Zoom. You know, Granny's on the Zoom call for the birthday party these days. So I'm sure that she could figure out how to use it for the medical interaction. So I think that the technology has been extremely well received by patients. Why wouldn't you want to sit in the comfort of your home and have that? Second, and this is something I mention often, you have to realize that the companies building this technology Let's just take um, Withings, for example. They have a whole family of remote monitoring devices. They're building these devices for tens of millions of users. 
and they're building the user experience to delight the average person. They're not building it for a doctor. They're building user experiences to delight the person on the other end, the end consumer. So you have all this health technology that's completely engineered from the ground up to work beautifully on your phone and give you beautiful notifications and insights and be engaging. And I actually think people enjoy using it at home and the doctor gets better data. It's more contextualized, more continuous. All the market research I'm seeing, Mike, suggests that these trends are going to continue to accelerate at a very rapid rate. Yeah, I agree. I'm right there with you. I think there's some of that preconceived notions and misconceptions in the marketplace that our older adults aren't getting behind it. They can't adopt it. And I actually think that there's a lot of untruth to that. You mentioned it, right? We're seeing, again, a lot of force by the pandemic, but a lot of older adults in our society are using technology to connect in very easy ways. And to your point, we also have to meet them where they're at, design and create technology that's seamless, that's an easy experience, et cetera. And so to your dashboard, to what you've built at Heads Up Health Dave, is your platform agnostic? I mean, there's so many options in the marketplace now in regards to wearables, diagnostics. Coach us up on that a little bit. What's that look like in regards to the plethora of technology out there and how it interacts and interfaces with your dashboard? We try to be completely device agnostic, Mike. So we're integrating best-in-class technology. Whether you want to use an Oura Ring or you want to use an Apple Watch or you want to use Quest Diagnostics or you want to use LabCorp, Everlywell, we try to remain as agnostic as possible. You can go buy a $10 glucometer from Walgreens and punch the number in every morning with a big button. Really that simple. We can pull in anything from Apple Health if we need to. We do these integrations with these devices directly ourselves. So we're engineering very complicated integrations so that we can really have full control over the user experience for both the individual and the provider. So we spend a lot of our time listening to our customers on which products they want us to tackle next. A lot of that integration roadmap is customer driven. We'll prioritize based on that. We just finished adding in the continuous glucose monitors. There's two of them on the market, the Dexcom and the Libre. So we try to be as agnostic as possible. And there's pros and cons to that. You know, there's other companies out there where they do remote monitoring and they supply the hardware and they have complete control over that whole ecosystem. You know, the hardware, the software, the distribution, everything. And we're not that. We're looking to be an agnostic platform. And as far as I know, we've got one of the more broader support matrices on the market and we just continue adding in cool stuff. And the consumer themselves, are they loving the experience? What's the reception been from the patient, the consumer side of the aisle? I think when people can learn how to fish on their own and see meaningful improvements in their health right in front of their eyes from healthy lifestyle modification, and they know they did it, you cannot put a value on that. Just teaching someone how to lower their blood sugar 10 points with a little diet exercise change, and they see it right in front of their eyes, or they see the quality of their sleep improving as they adjust their meal timing or their alcohol intake or just simple little things. Once people realize how much control they have over their health, I think it just becomes something that they go increasingly deeper on. Typically someone will come into monitoring their health because of an acute issue. Let's just take type two diabetes, for example, pre-diabetes, and then they'll learn how to get that under control. They'll make some changes and they'll get their numbers in range. And then they say to themselves, wow, okay, what else can I optimize on my health? And then they'll just start going down the rabbit hole that you and I are going down and they'll be like, oh, how can I uh, look at my own uh, microbiome here? And, and oh, what a little, I want to do a little DNA test. And 
hey, I want to try optimizing this and that. And then, then it becomes something that is a lifelong, enjoyable thing to do. It's just to self-optimize and work on your own longevity. So it typically starts with some acute issue, unless you're a high performer or a health optimizer, and your livelihood depends on it. That's the other side of the coin. That's how I got into it. And then on the other side, it's, hey, I've got some issue I need to get under control. This data gives them security and peace of mind and comfort and reward. And then they go on to tackling other yeah, it opens up a whole new world. And I think it's uh, so exciting to see the opportunity for technology to come into the health and wellness space and open up the eyes of consumers to say, what else can I do to optimize? I love it. I think it did brought a smile to my face, Dave. That's so cool. Yeah. They'll start testing out different devices and running different tests and getting in groups with other people working on the same health goal. And my secret mission in life, my stealth mission with this company, Mike, is actually to turn everyone into a health data nerd. Because I know if people are looking at their numbers every day, whether or not even they're interpreting them properly, okay? Let's just put that aside for a second. But I know if I get you looking at your numbers every day, you're connected to your body and your biofeedback in a way where it's really about awareness. And if I create an awareness between you and your health numbers, I've made you on the path to having a better health outcome. That's kind of the stealth mission in all of this awareness. Your secret's good with me here on the podcast. Okay. Don't worry about it, Dave. You're not going to put me. this on the air or no. live on the air or share this anywhere, right, Mike? Of course not. Okay. Of course I'm trusting not, you here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, you know what, Dave? I love it. That's a good nerd alert on the podcast. Nerd alert. That, that nerd alert. I love it. Absolutely. I love it. Well, let's also talk about what's next. This is an amazing time that we're in, right? I mean, I think technology is only going to continue to accelerate. When you come out of major crises like we are, and we're still in it with the pandemic, I believe that's when amazing innovation happens, new ways of thinking occur, all kinds of new ideas being brought to the health, wellness, and healthcare space, which is great. So with that, Dave, what are you and the team seeing next, not only with your platform, with your company, but where is the industry going? What do we need to be mindful of, of what's next? And even the next 18, 24, 36 months, what's on the horizon? Wow, man. The future I'd really like to see, Mike, is a future where the individual is just essentially at any time able to connect with any doctor they want in real time. I'm walking down the street, not feeling 100%. I can immediately connect to a provider. Instantly, all my vital signs come up on the screen, whether I've seen this person before or not. And that's a reality that's not too far off. In fact, we can provide a lot of that today. So I think that that's where I'd like to see things continue. I'd like to see continued advancement in the sensor technology. I think that's just changing the game for people in incredibly profound ways. These glucose monitors and sleep detectors and other things like that. The technology is continuing to open up just completely new ways for people to self-optimize. I think it's incredibly exciting that we have the payer system now starting to come on board and actually incentivize for helping to understand perhaps the lifestyle factors that honestly got someone sick in the first place. Hallelujah for that. So I think continued advancements in remote monitoring technologies are right on the forefront. So I think it's just continued development of the trends, quite honestly, that are already in place. I can't go much beyond that. I'd say the one thing from the heads up side would definitely be starting to get more into the ability for the software to become more intelligent. For instance, if we could notify Mike 
in advance of a number that's trending in the wrong direction. Right now, we're still an analytics platform where someone needs to actually log in and look at it to deduce said information. Start getting predictive. Yeah, start to build more of the insights. That's what a lot of the providers are looking for. They'd like to know seven or 10 days before, for example, that values have gone way outside of a person's baseline. That starts to save lives, save costs. That's more on the data side. And to your point, the payers want to know that as well, right? If we can get in front of a major you know, event, which has a major financial tie to it, right? What does that look like as well? I couldn't agree more. That predictive side is going to be enormous. And also just ways for more people to reach their health goals, Mike. Even something simple as losing weight for a lot of people is still extremely elusive. And you've tried everything and it hasn't worked. And man, there's some simple measurement technologies now that can be done that will help you figure out exactly why you've struggled. So even just people becoming their best self and living their own optimal life, if we put the chronic part of it aside, that's where I see it all going. And just healthier, happier individuals. And when your physical body is in a state of optimal health, that's when your mental faculties, your consciousness, your ability to do good in the world, your ability to relate well to other people, your ability to really fulfill your purpose and serve to the greatest extent possible. You got to have the physical machinery optimized. And we have ways to do that now that we've never had access to before. I think the life expectancy in this country should be skyrocketing up, not down. Sadly, that's not the case. Hopefully that changes, but we have access to the tools, the food, the nutrition, the information, everything we need to show up in the Ferrari on our 100th birthday, blowing donuts in the parking lot, in the car, that's where I see all this going. It's just complete health optimization. Lamborghini, 100-year-old, in the parking lot, spinning donuts. Nothing wrong with that. Spinning and donuts. And then afterwards, yes. don't do it often, though. Afterwards, we'll get into good burger and fries to wrap it all up. You see what I did there? I got to bring it back to the French fries. I promised you I'd bring it back Go to there. the French fries, okay? This weekend, all right, I had worked my body into absolute metabolic nirvana, okay? And if you've ever been on a low-carb ketogenic diet, you know it takes some work to get to the nirvana state. My blood sugar's at 80. My ketone levels are just absolute 100% perfection. I'm feeling amazing. And it's a fleeting experience, but I go over to my folks for dinner. And of course, right, it's, there's just burgers and fries. And so I tried to regulate. I had a smaller serving than I normally would. And of course, my blood sugar levels just kind of blow up for the next three hours. Ketosis out the window. I'm starting all over again on Monday morning. So bringing it back to French fries, it was the continuous glucose monitor on my arm and the ketone meter that helped me get to Nirvana. Also helped me realize in real time how I trashed Nirvana. I was watching it in real time. And now I'm kind of on the road back. But the French fries did me in on that would have wow. been. You brought it back full circle. I appreciate it. You even weaved in the technology you have on your own self. I love it. Hey, you know what? Honesty is the best policy. I appreciate you sharing your personal journey and struggle with those fries. Hey, man, for somebody to be able to eat something and see what's happening to their blood sugar in real time, right in front of their eyes. That is just game-changing stuff that everyone needs to understand if they really want to optimize and master their body. Well, Dave, let's change gears a little bit as well. I always love getting our community involved, be able to help entrepreneurs and leaders and innovative minds like yourself that are so passionate about this. What's one problem, need, or question that you and the Heads Up team have that we can be helping you with? Yeah, I'd say right now, Mike, 
We're looking for two things. We're scaling quickly. So I'd say if anyone is interested in this space, we have needs across the board, uh, software engineering, content creation, social media, sales, marketing. If this resonates with you, this notion of quantified health and empowerment and remote health monitoring, we'd love to hear from you. We also, Mike, are uh, just on the tail end of our seed round. It's uh, fully subscribed at this point, but we are looking to bring on one or two more individuals. And we do have one board seat we're looking to fill for someone who's in the industry and really has the connections and the wherewithal to come on board and really want to help us make a difference. So uh, those are a couple areas that we'd love to hear from you if this conversation. Well, in order to do that, they need to know where to get a hold of you, Dave. So social media handles, websites, or otherwise, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I keep it simple, Mike. I'm David, headsuphealth.com. Just hit me up. Easy enough. Easy enough. And we'll also include the website as well. In the episode notes, just scroll on down in your favorite podcast player to click on through to get a hold of Dave. Head over to our free global online community as well over at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for this episode that'll have all those contact points for Dave and the Heads Up team, as well as an area to leave comments, feedback, suggestions, or otherwise. Again, over at our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. All right, Dave, we're going to take it home here. We have one more piece to ask you. It's a fill in the blank and we'll get you out of here. I'm a passionate pioneer because I was just born to crush it, Mike. I love it. Short and sweet, born to crush it. Why not? What the heck? And you're doing exactly that, Dave. Man, I can't I help it. All joking aside, you're doing exactly that. I've been fortunate to follow your journey, be a part of it, watch what you guys are building, the passion you bring every single day. You guys are doing wonderful work. And my team, extremely grateful for my team. And you've interacted with them as well. Yeah, I have. And they've been unbelievable. Great stewards of pushing this forward, of getting the word out building game-changing technology to better serve people in our nation. I mean, what more can you ask for? So Dave, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing more about the Heads Up story and where you guys are heading as well. I appreciate your time. Look forward to continuing to follow the journey. But for now, Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for a fun conversation, Mike. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.